Welcome back, my dear friends, to another episode of Around the Shabbos Table. This is Aaron Wogelinter, and I'm here with my father, Rabbi Wogelinter, a.k.a. the father. We have a wonderful episode today. We're going to go through, um, we're going to give you some background, what's happening here in Israel, a little bit of the political slash religious changes that are happening, that may happen, that could happen. Um, here in Israel, we're going to go through some of that. We're going to um, talk about a question that we've gotten uh, over the past few weeks, which is very interesting, and um, hopefully break open how a Jew should react, how a Jew should act, um, what are the requirements for a Jew to continuously um, be pleasant and... Um, the word is to constantly exude pleasantness. I know I want to say exude, but exude's the wrong word. Uh, um, exude pleasantness, but present pleasantness and be presentable as a pleasant person, as the Torah says. Darcheha darche noam, that its that its ways are ways of pleasantness, and that is a that is a uh, requirement on each one of us to be pleasant, to be to act pleasantly, and to represent the Torah's pleasantness and uh, how does that all get mixed together in a little bit of politics. So um, without further ado, let's get, let's get around the Shabbos table. So I want to give a little background um, and then go through the question that a person asked, a very sincere, very earnest, very sincere, and I think a very, very important question. And then, um, you know, the two of us will, will unpack it and, uh, I think by the end we'll, we'll have something very concrete to to walk away with a certain um, a, a certain principle that will become very clear through current events, through things that are going on. Well, that's what we always try to do. We're always trying to take um, sometimes less current, but um, always trying to take what's happening around us and uh, infuse it with meaning and live with with meaning because that's the that's that's imperative. That's what we do. I. Uh, I just I might have told this over once, but I just want to uh, to tell it over again because I think that it serves as a, as a great introduction to where we're going tonight. The they say that there was a matter says that there was a mountain and there were two fellows, two brothers that lived on either side of the mountain, and one of them was married, had children, large family. One of them was single, and every night the one that was single looked at his stash of wheat and he said, "I don't I don't need all this." My brother, who's got a lot of mouths to feed, needs more. And I'm going to give him a bushel of wheat. And every night he would go in the depths of darkness and he would go and take a bushel of wheat and he'd bring it over to his brother. He would leave it there and then he would go back home. His brother, every night, would look at his wealth and he would say to himself, you know, my poor brother has nothing. He has no no wife, no children. He He's... You know, just it's a little empty. At least let me give him that he should have a lot of wealth. So he went and he took a bushel every night. And he would climb over the mountain and he would deposit it in his brother's pile. And this happened every single night. The one would go and deliver it to the one brother. The other would go and deliver it to the other brother. And unbeknownst to each other, they had no idea. One night, one delayed a little bit and they met each other in the middle on top of the mountain. The one looked at the other and said, where are you going? What are you doing with a bushel of wheat in your hands? 
says, I'm going to your house and I'm dropping off the bushel of wheat. He says, what are you talking about? That's where I'm going. I'm going to your house to drop off a bushel of wheat. And they explained what they were doing. And they were so moved that they began to cry. They hugged each other and they pledged allegiance to each other as brothers forever. And on that place where the tears dropped, says the Medrash, that's where the Beis HaMikdash was built. There's a modern day corollary to that. There were two brothers lived on either side of a mountain. And one of them looked at his brother who was married and had a lot of children. He said, what does he need all this wealth for? What does he need, what does he need the wheat for? He's got a, got a good life. He's got a, he's got a wife. He's got kids. He's got, he's got stuff going on. You know what? I'm going to take a bushel from him every single night. And the other brother looks at his brother and he says, the kid's single. He doesn't have any stability. He has nothing in his life. You know what? He doesn't need all that wheat. I have a lot of mouths to feed. I could use the wheat. I'm going to go take a bushel from him. And every night, unbeknownst to the other, in the middle of the night, in the cover of darkness, the one brother would climb over the mountain and he would grab a bushel and take it home. The other brother would grab a bushel and he would take it home. And they were doing this for a long time. Finally, one night, one of them delayed, and they met in the middle, on the top of the mountain. And the one looks at the other, and he says to him, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing with a bushel of wheat? He says, I'm taking it from you. You don't need it. He says, that's amazing. I did exactly the same thing. I take from you because I think you don't need it. Nah, I need it. You don't need it. Nah, I need it. You don't need it. And they begin this incredible brawl, and they start to scream at each other and shout at each other and fight with each other. And where the tears of that fight dropped, that's where the Knesset was built. Now, it happens to be. I love the fact that you love that joke. I love that joke. <laughs> no, because, because it just characterizes, it's, it's, you know, you, you don't always hear in, in, in politics in other countries the kinds of invectives and the kinds of, of, of insults that are leveled and the kinds of, I wouldn't even say insults, but the dramatic speech of, of, what you're, of what you're doing, thrusting a knife into the heart of the Jewish people. Like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of big words that are being used. And, uh, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, bickering, fighting, position, um, position mongering. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in the Knesset. A lot of stuff that, that many people aren't privy to. But that's the language and the culture of the Knesset. It's not really necessarily anger, but it's just, it's, it, it is, it is a, um, behavior that would make a person very uncomfortable. Recently, with the beginning of the new government, there is a lot of talk about, and I, I don't necessarily think that we should get too deep into this, but there's a lot of talk about the, the religious status quo and about the continuing of the way that the religious, um, the religious parties have, have run in the country, the way religion runs in the country, um, whether, whether there should be secular marriage, whether there should be um, different courts, Demonopolizing de a lot of things, and there's a lot of good discussion on both sides. When when you when you have rational discussions, there's a lot of stuff here. It's not it's not simple. But the religious parties um, made it very clear that they felt that this was um, that there were movements that were being made that could very well go against very fundamental principles of the Torah. And um, and and I know. That, that you could look at the surface of it and say, well, I don't necessarily not agree, you know, that maybe some of those things need to be changed. 
I, I actually, I, I read some articles recently and did a little bit of research, and I, I have a little bit of a, of a, little bit of a different view of it, in the sense that it's a little more, more open. But there is no question that well, that more open than what you what you might have thought originally. What I might have right? thought originally. That's right. But there is no question that at the core of it, there is there is a certain degree of trying to dismantle and of and of and threatening. The, the the idea itself is a difficult idea. Israel in itself is a difficult idea, besides the politics of it, that you want a country that's not religious but runs on religious-type values. Right. And that it's respectful of religion. That's a, that's a, that's a near... It's a tall order. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a near impossible thing to do, which is, it itself brings brings upon its own issues. So that that's basically what we're dealing with. Right, which is the reason why they, they created a status quo, that, you know... We're not going to we're not going to love religion, but we're going to tolerate these kinds of things. And when some of that tolerance for it breaks down, so then, then if you look at things from a, from a deeply religious point of view, so then these are things that are threatening the the very safety of the land of Israel, because part of what we're promised in the land of Israel is when the the Torah is upheld in the land. Otherwise, Kisaki, the land is going to vomit you out. Without, we're not going to get into that now. But but those are real those are real things. You can't deny them. I mean, they're they're there in the Torah. And, and we have to recognize that right, we're, we're learning. We're learning now, like Hilchah Shemitah, in preparation for next year, when in Israel you have to leave the land, um, you know, not work the land. And it's very interesting that we're looking over a lot of the midrashim and a lot of the Chazal that the rabbis talk about, and it's even Psukim, even the, the the verses themselves are like almost directly correlated. Our success here in the land is keeping the mitzvahs of Shemitah and the mitzvahs that are. It's the things that are, are dependent on the land. If you keep them, then you will be successful and can stay in the land. And if So it, in a sense, it is like biblically very much speaking to us today that when we keep the laws here in this land, then we're able to go. That's, that's outside of the politics of it. That's outside of, outside of the, the state of Israel and of having a, an institution around living that's on right. this country. But there's a very spiritual... Um, a very spiritual religious aspect to the land that we have to we have to take into consideration here as well. That's right. And there there are those that feel that the the more secularized we become, then we lose the sense of a Jewish state. And at the end of the day it's a Jewish state. Religious, not religious, but there are certain Jewish values that we have that the more we bend those values, the more that we obscure those values. So then the the less of a Jewish state it is. So the religious parties Made it very clear that they weren't in support of many of the things that were being done, and that and that many of those movements, and they said it in very emphatic language, but it was a really like a war against God, and it was um, taking a person, a person would support some of these bills and things would um, really put them on the on the outside of the um, the center of uh, of Torah Judaism. Did and, you did you take down some of the of the the language they used? The verbiage? No, but it was it was str- it, it was strong. It was, strong. it was they were saying like you you know you, you don't believe in God if you if you support this government, and you don't you you obviously don't believe in the Torah. And it was very strong, very strong language. Very, when very strong. when just trying to say that you shouldn't support this. Shimunahamurim language, right from this past week's Pasha, when Moshe Rabbeinu stood up to the people and he said to them, "Listen to me, you rebellious ones." And according to many of the commentaries, the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was was taken to task for the hitting of the rock instead of speaking to the rock was not so much because he, he spoke instead of hit, because both of them bring miracles, but that he, he said, Shimunah he said words 
Listen to me, you rebellious ones. We have to talk nice at the Klai So I had a very sincere fellow who comes to, to my shir. Um, a friend of the podcast. A friend, a friend of the podcast. A, a personal friend um, of, of both of us. And, uh, and he asked a very sincere question. He, he wasn't even, you know, sometimes he, he might fall on the other side of some of these issues, but he wasn't, he actually wasn't, but he was just saying, is, is, this, the, is this the image that religious parties, and, and many, many of those in the religious parties are themselves Rabbanim, and, and Choshev Rabbanim. And now we're not talking about the Gedolei Torah, the, you know, the, the rabbinic sages of the parties. We're talking about the members of Knesset. That is this an appropriate way to talk? Is this an appropriate image to give forth? Almost like if you had to, you draw a cartoon of it, it would be, you know, you, you would, ca- you would over-characterize a, a rabbi with an angry face screaming and yelling at his, uh, at his people. That's, that's, that's the way it came across. Is that the... Is that the proper way? So that's really what what you know, we had this discussion. We we felt that this would be a great um, a, a great opportunity to talk about some of these issues and and about and to answer this question because I think that the answer is pertinent to our lives. Forget about Israeli politics. It's it is our lives as ambassadors of God. I think that it's uh, that it, that's very pertinent. So right, the, the Israeli politics exaggerates the issue because here you have people on the world stage um, as religion, representing religion. So it's like, but really every time you get on a bus, every time you get on an airplane, every time you get, you know, you go to Ralph's, you go to Rami Levy, no matter where what you're doing, where it is, you're representing, you're representing um, the image of God and, and Judaism and you have this requirement to be, to act a certain way right. and to make a Kiddush Hashem. And uh, what is that? Right. So, so I, I want to say a few things, and then you know, and we'll, we'll play around with them. But um, I, I think that the, the principle that you had mentioned before, that its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of its ways are peace. That that has to be the overarching and guiding principle of our lives. You know, we see this in halacha. We see this when we look through the Torah, that there are things that the Torah teaches us that accentuate that, that bring that out so that we live by them. Did you ever notice there are four or five fast days a year? Did you ever notice in the Torah there's only one fast day in the Torah? So the Meshach Chachman and others say that the reason why there's only one fast day is because there are chadachin noam. It's ways are ways of pleasantness. We need that fast day, and we need that fast day, and we need the chamisha inuyim, the five the prohibitions that come along with it, not eating, not drinking, all the stuff that comes along with Yom Kippur, not wearing leather and all that. We need that, and it's pretty severe, and it's 25 hours, and you, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't eat nothing, and you can't drink nothing, and, you, and you, you're, the, the whole, you're, you're like out of whack, the whole Yom Kippur. But that's one day. That's not the way you live, because it's ways are ways of pleasantness. Look, sometimes a person has to separate themselves but in, from, the, from, the, from the group. Sometimes it's just awful things are going on. But that's not the overriding principle. The overriding principle of the Torah is find places where you can separate yourself and call people shkatsim and then just move on. That, the overriding principle is al tifresh minat zibur. 
Find yourself a tzibur, find yourself a group that you can connect to because there are chadachinom, it's ways and ways of pleasantness. And this just goes over and over again. We find that the, the, you know, the Torah tells us that if you go to war and you see a beautiful woman and you want to take her home, so a captive woman, and you can take her home, she has to sit for 30 days in mourning, and then afterwards, if you want to, you can marry her. The whole law is like a crazy law. We'll wait some other time to talk about it. So it seems, it seems out of whack. You know, one would imagine that, it, that, that the Torah would tell us that if you go to war and you see a beautiful woman and you have a, a taiva for her, so then, you know, just run the other direction. Right? Go, go to best medicine and learn Torah, right? Say Shema, right? Don't take her home. Like, don't give in to your, don't give in to your thing. Torah understands and in the depravity of war that if it was going to stand up against you and tell you don't do that, that you by definition would want to do it the same as when, when somebody kills, God forbid, your brother or a relative by accident. So the Torah tells us that we're allowed to actually go after that person. It's called the blood avenger. We're allowed to go after that person and we can kill that inadvertent murder. Not that anybody would ever do that, but once you're told you can do that, so then, then you know, you, you feel sort of that there's, a, that, you know, there's justice. I could take care of this if I wanted to. And the reason why the Torah has to do that is because if the Torah didn't, then there would be an incredible increase in vigilantism. Torah understands. It has to be the ways of pleasantness and the ways of peace. And everything that the Torah institutes is because of that its ways have to be pleasant. You have to choose the more pleasant and peaceful way of doing things. Pleasant doesn't mean easy. Oh, no, 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 not at all. It just means that it has that it's the way of what we call ni'imus, way of way of pleasantness. I'll tell you another amazing thing: mitzvah purvu. So Meshach Chachma says, I mean, everybody says it really, but he brings us down that why is it that the mitzvah of purvu, according to many opinions, only applies to men; it doesn't apply to women. Because a woman the mitzvah has to, to have through, children. The, the mitzvah has to have children. That's right. Because because a woman has to go through pain, and the Torah can't demand of her to go through pain. Because there are chaha. He uses the word specifically. There are Now it's fascinating that you find the mitzvah in plural the first time, pru urvu and and then you find it later pray reve. Right, the same same concept, but it's 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 plural and it's singular. The reason why it's plural because in Gan Eden, a woman was obligated to have to have children. But when God told Adam to have children, because that was before there was any there was any problems, Arts. But now that now that it's painful, now that it's post you know, post um, Garden of Eden. So, so now then, it's not on her. Now it's not on her. Because this is an overriding principle that the Torah chooses ways that are ways of pleasantness and peace. It's an amazing thing. There's myths of Yibum. I like one, that, that you word. source those. Yeah, okay. We can go one more, but I, I like that they're sourced because these sources show you... Yeah, go for it. Show, they show you the Torah? No, they show you also that the Torah kept this concept and this this mandate sort of in mind when it made its halachas. So, like, how does that... You know, we'll, we'll go through one more example, but we have to talk about how that translates into our um, right. requirement to be naim, to be pleasant. Right. So the, there's a mitzvah of Yibun. You have two brothers, one of them dies. The wife of the brother that died has to marry the other brother. One of them dies with a wife childless, and right? And they're and they're childless. So they do a lot of a lot of clearing, a lot of you know, discussion about this. Is if a woman is childless at the time of the death of her husband, so then 
She doesn't have Yibam. What happens if she has a child? She doesn't have Yibam, she moves on, she gets married. And then the child dies. She's childless. The whole purpose of having Yibum is so that you keep the brother's name alive, but that child died. So is she required retroactively now to have Yibum? And we're told, no. Why? How can you take her away from a relationship that she already has? She's moved on. She's gotten married and tell her, oh no, you now have to forge a relationship with your, with your dead husband's brother. That's not, that's not ways of pleasantness. That's forcing people into doing things that are totally, totally against them. But that tells us also something powerful, which will then open up the discussion. That means that everything that Torah tells us, that we say, that it's hard to be Jewish, it's not true. It's not hard. Because we have not found in ourselves that way of pleasantness. We are fighting it. We have a, a disconnection to it. But if we, if we, if we have to, when we find things challenging, we have to look at ourselves and say, why are they challenging? It can't be that the Torah asked us to go a difficult way. Torah doesn't ask us to go a difficult way. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure you about that. You can disagree with me. I think that's what I meant before when I said easy is easy pleasant. Because it could be hard. It could be hard to get up for dominating. It could be hard to it could be difficult for me. It's not because the Torah didn't want to do things that weren't that were easy for me. The Torah did, but I I've set myself up in a way where it's hard for me. So it's hard. But it's still pleasant. It doesn't change the concept of of prayer because I have a hard time getting my getting my rear end out of my bed on why is it hard for you? Because I, I schedule, I haven't set myself up. I haven't prioritized it, whatever the issue is. Correct. The, 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 but it's still, the concept is still pleasant, meaning the concept of getting up at, at, in the morning and praying with your tefillin on is not a, is not a, is not a um, rough um, concept. That's correct. No, concept. Okay. Exactly my point. So hard, hard is my issue, but not, not right. the Torah's issue. Right? No. I've made it hard because I go to sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning. And because I don't, you know, I don't get myself the right amount of sleep, and I don't prioritize my going to davening on time, I, I don't, I don't prioritize it. It's my, my life, problem. Right. and therefore, I'm, therefore, every morning I'm in tension, and I'm, and I'm, you know, rushing to get to shul because I'm running late. But that's my problem, not the Torah's problem. The Torah would never put us in a situation that that we that is unpleasant. Because I'm trying to think if there are any mitzvahs that like. That fall into the question category that that perhaps aren't so pleasant, but there's a pleasantness to all. Nida, yeah. nida, being separated from your wife, two months, two, two weeks out of every month, it's unpleasant. Oh, uh, okay, but it's not unpleasant. Is, I mean, that's derecha darchenom. Also, it's davka derecha darchenom. Right? Is that it's it's it creates a relationship that has that's its coming correct. and going that has its. That's correct. It's tension, and tension is beautiful. Tension is great, right? Tension is where we grow. So that's what I'm saying, that everything... Everything has, even the ones you think... Even the ones you think that are, that are, that are running against your lifestyle. Well, I guess the listeners, on, if, you're, if you're watching us on YouTube, you could always put up... It would be fun. It would be interesting to, to open up that conversation if you think that, they're, that we're wrong. Maybe there are mitzvahs that are, that are and, and I, I think you'll be surprised with uh, what the Father can answer. But, you know, how you can... You can see that these things are uh, these things aren't so if, 
Put them if, up in the comments if you find if you do think that there's something. We're, we're happy to we're happy to listen to that. But don't bite us. Yeah. Don't bite us in the comments. Just be nice. But open the conversation. Because we're trying to have a conversation. There's no reason <laughs> <That's> to <all. laughs> this is a little personal, but there's no reason to kick us hard. Um, we could we I could be wrong, definitely. And if anything's wrong, it's probably my fault. So there's no reason to uh, yeah, no reason to bite in the comments, but do open the conversation and we could Definitely discuss that because it's important to go through, also go through your life, check your pulse. What's hard for you? Why is it hard? Ask yourself that question. Is it hard because the Torah is requiring something of me that's, that's hard and that's difficult and that's not pleasant and the Torah, the Torah is, you know, some things stink or do I stink and there's something that's wrong? And, I'm, you know, I haven't, not that I stink as a person, but that I've, uh, I perhaps haven't set myself up to succeed in this, in this scenario. You know, in, in, when, when the, they came over from Europe and they were having a hard time finding jobs and they were ending up um, being Michal Shabbos and, and living by the words, it's very hard to be Jewish. It's hard to be Jewish again because your priorities were off. Keeping Shabbos is not, is, is not unpleasant. It's that not prioritizing it and saying it's the most important thing. Then yes, it's tense and it's and it's unpleasant in the sense that you need to you you're, you think your life has to go in a different direction, other than Shabbos. But if you say Shabbos is inviolate, then there's no there's no, there's no anti Kim, now let's take that principle and let's apply it to, to ourselves and to our behavior. Well, first applied applied to the to the to the original conversation is. You're answering, in essence, yes. Maybe we do have to be less harsh and screaming, and maybe maybe there is something systematically wrong with with the way that the religious parties work in Israel and work in Knesset, and how we've muddled the lines between you know politics and religion. And when we're talking politics, religion, and we get angry, but you can get angry about politics. But as a religious leader, you can't you can't really get angry. And that was and that's like the answer to that in you, essence. You just speaking of right, so I was going to take it. I was going to take it to our to our so, own okay. personalities. In other words, that this the Rachel Dachinom concept is not only a concept about how God instituted mitzvos, but it's now about well, it's like a the, mean, now it's like a characteristic the, of the God, characteristic a, of God. It's like Wamida, right? A pulse of the world. There's every the pulse of the Torah is that it's all about the Rachel Dachinom, which means that I, as a Torah person, have to also be part of that. Now, how do you balance that? against making a macho, making a, maybe a, a public protest when you see somebody and you know, going against the Torah. When you see somebody, somebody violating the Torah, somebody committing a chosha, and, and we have examples of that in the Torah in the end of this week's parasha. Pinchas sees... That's what I was going to say, right. Uh-huh. Is, Pinchas, is Pinchas not Drach HaDachinon? So I believe that he's Drach HaDachinon. And that's the reason why he was given the bris of peace. Of shalom, right. Of Shalom, and if you look in the Torah, I remember as an eleven-year-old, I as a thirteen-year-old. I'm sorry, I was once leaning, Pashas Pinchas, and in Pashas Pinchas, it says, "I give him bris, brisi Shalom, a covenant of peace," and the word Shalom, Shin Lamed Vav Mem, is written with what's called a Vav Ketia. A Vav Ketia means a Vav that is split in half. And it really looks like two letters. And it's in essence two vavs. And I remember leaning, and I turned to the rabbi who was standing next to me. I said, Sefer Torah is bustle. Sefer Torah is not kosher. 
I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's a split in the vav. And he looks at it and he says, oh my gosh, you're right. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> there, um, there. Yeah, we won't, we won't say where I grew up. But, the, but, but the, be that as it may. But that's the two vavs. So why is it written with two vavs? Because there are two vavs. There's a vav hachibor, a vav that attaches, and there is a vav that separates O, this or that. And sometimes to make peace, you have to use the vav hachibor, the vav of attachment. You have to bring two things together. But sometimes the only way to make peace is by cutting something out. And that's and there's just no other way to differentiate. You have to do that sometimes in order to be able to make something whole. For a person who has, God forbid, a tumor, a growth. So what do we do? We cut it out so that the person can continue living. Sometimes there is no choice. However, nobody said that when you cut it out, it has to be cut out with anger and invective and in a way that's not pleasant. This overriding, this concept of derechad achinom is overriding. It's overarching. In other words, when I have to rebuke somebody, when I have to say something, then it has to be done in a way of pleasantness. It's unpleasant for me to tell you that you're doing something wrong. But if I have no choice, if the only way to deal with it is by confronting you and telling you, the only way I'm going to get something across to you is if it's I will have made a macha, I will have made a fine protest if I stand up and I scream at you and I throw rocks at you. I will have made a fine protest. Everybody around me will know, I think that's a bad thing. You know What you were doing, I think it's bad. But they'll also look at me and say, I think that the way he did it was bad. And, and it will fall on deaf ears. But when you say it's strong, powerful, powerful, this is something that is so unacceptable to us. It runs against our very fundamental things. I'm not telling you you're bad. I'm telling you that this is something that is painful for us. You know, remember the, well, they used to throw, used to, I guess they do it now too, still. But the, when, I was, when I was learning here as a Bacher, 1981. So that was like, I think the height of the times when they were building the remote road and in Ezra's Torah, they would go to the edge of Ezra's Torah and they would throw stones and scream Shabbos. And it was a very, very dramatic thing. It bothered Ain't nothing changed, brother. <laughs> but it bothered me a lot because my window was right over there. And I couldn't sleep on Shabbos afternoon. I didn't get involved with the fundamental issue of whether it was right or wrong. Just like, guys, don't steal my, my sleep. It's my Shabbos. But, but throwing stones over and screaming. Okay, you know, it's questionable as to how effective a method like that is. A few weeks later, I saw kids. There were barriers by Meir Sharm on Mio, barriers by Meir Sharm, and barriers on um, on the Azustara side. And uh, the you know the, 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 so the cars wouldn't go in, and the kids were taking the barriers and sliding the asphalt when it gets so hot. It's like so it's gishmak. The things just slide right across, and they were sliding them into traffic, and cars would hit them. They would fly into the air. Cops came, and somebody lobbed a, a rock up in it smashed the cherry on the top of the cup. They all left. They're not going to contend with this. And it was just so disturbing to me to see this and to see little kids. And I was, I was a bacher and I was, you know, an American. I know, and it was terrible to me. Later on in the day, I was walking back and I saw a yid standing by 
the um, standing by the corner of Rechov Yirmiyo and Rechov Meshar or whatever that street is, and um, and he was standing there and crying and saying Yidin Yidin it's Shabbos Yidin it's Shabbos. That's all. Wasn't screaming. Wasn't yelling. Wasn't throwing anything. He was just standing there and crying about Shabbos desecration. Now, do I think anybody became from because of that? No. Do I think anybody stopped driving on Shabbos because of it? Probably not. But that was an expression of the pain that he felt without taking anybody else down. It wasn't you, Dubista Shagets, because you're driving on Shabbos. You're ruining Israel because you're driving on Shabbos. Yidin, Yidin, I just want you to know it's Shabbos. Well, yeah, and what do you think? What do you think of the things that are monea or hold us back from internalizing the requirement of darcha darchenoam? I think that it's not only about these kinds of things. I think that it's about everything. I think that we let our um, our personalities get the best of us. It's like any anything in midos. You know, is what, why do we why do we express bad midos? Because we don't control them. No, wait. The question here is 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 elevated to a stronger question because if you're if you're expressing bad midas about a guy cutting you off in the street, that's fine. But if you're expressing expressing bad midas about midos, right? You're expressing bad midas about Shabbos or about Pinchas or anything. What if you were to be expressing bad midas, like anything that's that's uh, zealous in the name of God, let's say? So now it becomes. The, the question just becomes so much stronger because you're expressing Mamidas in order to fix the world. And that, that seems so much more inconsistent to me. Right. So one of the worst Midas that we have is self-centeredness. And that's not, when you think of self-centeredness, what you think of as a person who, you know, a plate of food gets put on the table and they grab 10 pieces and don't worry about how many other people are at the table. That's a gross expression of right. self-centeredness. But when a person focuses on what they're feeling as opposed to what they're outputting, when a person thinks about what they're, what, 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 they're, what they're receiving, and they're not thinking about, how am I looking? How am I coming across? That's also self-centeredness. And I think that, that in, it works between us, it works between people, and it also works when you're a public figure. You sometimes forget that you can't, it's not just about what you're feeling. You're feeling the Torah is being desecrated. I recognize that. But if you really want to defend the Torah, then the proper way to defend the Torah is, is by making it look beautiful. And therefore, the way you do things, look, some of the decisions that are made in war nowadays could use a dose of and I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong. I'm not a, I'm not a, 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 you know, a, a military person. But, but, they, but you know, they, they, there are the, you definitely have to be thinking about, it could be that they did and they made certain decisions, but you have to be thinking about how does this look? How does, what message is this sending? And that's a very important consideration about everything we do on a personal level and on a, on a national level. As when I'm, when I'm in the, the public eye, I have to be thinking about that. Now there are times you have to make a decision that I have to do this anyway, even though I know it's not going to look so good. Kodesh Baruch Hu made that decision quite a few times, right? That that you, you just you have to you have to do things. There are things that, that, that I'm going to have to take the downside because the upside is more important.
But you should never be you never be going against Derech HaDach no, I mean, even Pinchas, who no. was the pinnacle, he's like the... the it was still Derech HaDach no, it was still pleasant. You know, where do we see the, the, a similar kind of concept, Derech HaDach but but also, that um, we, we find by the, um, the, the Misos, the, the, the Misa that we choose, the death that we choose, is an expression of the the respect for a person that's weird right because you're killing a guy and you're saying that kill him this way not that way because this is more respectful of him yeah sometimes you have to kill him but it has to be done in the most pleasant of ways sometimes i have to make a macha have to make a macha you're not allowed to sit back somebody's desecrating the torah you can't sit back but the way that you do it that's the rechadachinom and that's the thing that i feel is so and that and that my friend who asked this question that's the real answer I gave you the short answer. This is the full answer um, that, I, that I'm giving you tonight of explaining what this principle is. And, it, and I agree with you that it does need to be our overarching principle. But let's not worry about the guys in Knesset. Let them worry about their own ruchnias. Let them, let them go and do their own tshuva. Let them go and hit Elul and, and look, into, look into themselves and make their own tikkunim. That's not my problem. But I learned from those guys that, when, that that's, not, that's not me. That's not us. Right. We we are on the world stage, especially now with the, the overdose of anti-Semitism. They are watching us like hawks. And the way that we the, the way that we come out in favor of a candidate in, in you know the New York election is big big stuff going on, but the language that we use, we have to be very precise and careful with the language. When we go in front of the public, the public eye, the language that we use, when we are standing on a street corner, when we are walking in a supermarket, when we are doing things both in Israel and in America, we have to be exuding, as you started off with tonight, we have to be exuding. What a pleasant religion. What an accommodating... The way we dress, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we're on the phone at the... At the checkout, you know, everything has its, it affects everything. Standing on the phone at the checkout thing, it's not, my customers are rude. The Jewish guy who always talks on his phone. You know, well, whatever. We, we, could, we could really develop that a lot because it's a, you know, it's, it's a major issue. But I think that, that the point is clear. That dirachah dachinom, it's ways of ways of pleasantness, is what God used to give us the Torah and what we have to use in, in our in our daily existence, you know we have a we have a dog in the building, and the it dog, is definitely not a darachah No, I'm dog. That's not that's for sure. Um, <laughs> on Purim, it nipped me. There and are the, there are dogs that are not not, not this, this one. No. <laughs> and uh, you know I, I, there was a there's a chat from oh, right. Uh, it had its pseudo perm on your leg. It's, it had a suit for him. Yeah, that's right. It ate my white, my white suit. The um, so so they had a big sechsoch this week. There was a there was a problem with the dog, whatever. And the, you know, everybody's going back and forth. And I really just wanted to share that. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know the same way everybody's sort of being so ameliorating. Tell the person with the dog to go find another apartment. <laughs> go move. The the dog is terrorizing the building. And uh, I said to myself, I can't do that because I'm I'm the religious guy. And, and even chiming in is just unnecessary to say, well, you know, the dog got me too. And it scares the bajingis out of me. And when I go to that floor, 
I'm so petrified that it's going to stop. And she's going to, she's going to get on with the dogs. Because they bark and yelp. And when she comes with the dogs, she tells people to get out of the hallway. Right. She says, it's in your best interest to move on. Basically, that's what she's saying. But she doesn't say it so nicely. It's like, there's no drachadach in on there. It's just, get out of the, get out of the hole. And it's like, come on. We can't live like that. It's not, it's not fair to ask us to live like that. But why would I chime into that? People were, people were saying what they had to say. And, and it was good. And I supported what they were saying. But, but for me to chime in, that, and even if I said it in a, in a nice kind of way, that might not be dirachadach. It might not give the right impression to people. Because they'll, they'll focus so much in on the religious guy. I'm the only religious guy in the building. They would focus in on the, on the religious guy. And we just have to keep that in our minds. I know, Aaron, that you and I have spoken about this before. We've spoken about this before. Because it's, it's something that I think for both of us, is, is very, very real. That the impressions that we give, and don't point fingers at those guys don't give the right impression. Those guys don't give the right impression. Don't worry about those guys. Worry about us guys. Right? We have to, each and every one of us has to worry about ourselves. You know, <laughs> the, whole, the whole airplane, the airplane thing with the masks. and the Airplanes with the masks, but it's been davening, it's been on airplanes and allow for years. Right. You know that the, yeah, I I um I vow every time we get on an airplane that all of our things need to have a place. They need to be have started in a bag. If things cannot fit in a bag that goes on a back, then it does not belong in the airplane. We cannot get onto planes with plastic Ralph's bags or coming from here Rami Levy bag. You cannot get on with a Super Sol bag if it's in a Super Bowl bag. It does not belong on the airplane because. Okay. Because again, you see people get on and they're they're packed in bags. But it's it, it's a nice, it's a pleasant. It's not neimus. It's not pleasantness. That's it. My kids go hungry on the plane. We don't bring food because it can't fit in our backpack. But at least we look good. <laughs> okay, I think the point was made, and that's uh, that was. It's an important discussion. So I, we'd love to hear some feedback. And again, please, I beg you. <laughs> no, don't rip be, us apart and just just reply back because we want to have a discussion because we care about what you think that's why we're here we care about what you think we care about how you how you receive this and 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 how you you know you assimilate this and just feedback in a pleasant way so that we can have a good discussion and if we get a good enough amount of of responses back on this then maybe we can i uh, will make another episode and share some of those and rediscuss it um, thank you very much, and uh, awesome. Pass the challenge.